Hello friends, how are you? How are you getting on? My name is Colm and this is the Sober Mess Podcast and you're very welcome. Today I'm absolutely chuffed and over the moon to have me go pal Kira McCulloch on the podcast. Kira is a mindset and health coach. She's a TED talker as well as the host of our own well-known podcast, The Inside Out podcast she's also a very proud claire woman who regularly gets in the in for lake dips most mornings so i'm absolutely chuffed to have a chat with her on the podcast so kira how are you what's up my friend i'm good how are you i'm good today i'm good uh, i went for an ocean dip this morning and uh, it's like the best coffee <laughs> you can get um <laughs> it just it just oh, it just wakes you up it's just it's incredible, like, you know, and uh, it's mad. I find that in this time of year when it's getting chilly, I, I love it because the endorphin buzz I get out of it. Like, in the summer, yeah. you're like, oh, I can't wait till the, it's cold, <laughs> you know, and now, <laughs> and this, don't get me wrong, like, I think the worst part of sea dipping in the winter is the anticipation. It's like you're taking your jocks off and there's, there's snow and frost hitting you in the face and you're like, why am I doing this? And then, like, as soon as you get out, you're like, oh, yeah, that's why, because it's unreal. <laughs> It's uh yeah, it's epic. Like and like we have the lake here, which is I think uh, about five degrees colder than the sea most wow. times of the year. Oh, so, Jesus! Uh, it's it's quite the challenge, but it's it's so good and it's a great way to start your day or finish your day or have it as any part of your day. I find it's just the the endorphins that you get from it is is something spectacular. Yeah, it's it's magic. And would you would you have like a big community of people down there doing the doing the lake dips? Yeah. It's huge. And do you know what I love about a column is that there's such a wide variety of age groups. Like mm. uh, when we go swimming at two mile gate, it's like a couple of minutes from the house here. Um, in the in the lake, there's this rock that people can stand on. And I love on a Sunday, there's a group of ladies who are like well into their 60s and 70s. And they all swim out to this rock and they jump off the rock back into the lake. And it's probably the, one of the most heartwarming things you could ever watch because it's oh. like they have been brought back into being children again. <laughs> so yeah. they're singing, they're dancing and they're hopping and jumping from the rock into the lake. And it's like the most beautiful thing ever. I love that. Yeah, I was, I was talking to a lady down there recently and she said she's uh, like the 44 is like her, her refuge. You know, it's a place that she comes for them, yeah. the therapeutic effects. And it's mad. Like everyone that gets in, gets in the sea are there for well-being. If it's for physical recovery or mental well-being, you know, it's like it's like a lifeboat, but it doesn't matter what your background is. Like if you're on the like the Titanic, the way the top floor was like upper class, super wealthy, and the bottom floor was yes. like you know lower class or whatever. But as soon as that lifeboat came around, as soon as that boat was sinking and the lifeboat came, it didn't matter what your background was. We're all here for the same reason, you know, to get to that better point in our life. And that's what I love about the the sea swimming community. Like you know, everyone's in that in that lifeboat for the same reason to get that to get that buzz you know and that's what just you could get in there and you just strike up a conversation with anyone you know just to be able to because everyone's kind of there for it for the same reasons like you know and uh, my good friend jonathan smith always says you know we're, we're here because we're not all there yeah <laughs> i love that <laughs> <laughs> oh that's lovely i'm gonna use that now that's my new favorite line <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but so kira what do you think makes a strong mindset oh that's a very good question to start off with um what do i take take to make a strong mindset for me you know it's built around self-belief self-trust and 
you know, eventually self-confidence. But for me, I think a strong mindset is is really starting to to develop a healthy relationship with yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of the work that I do with, with my clients is very much centered around first and foremost, developing self-trust. And I think we can live our lives in our heads a lot of the time. And, you know, if you take what the mind actually does for us, it, it tries to protect us, it tries to keep us safe. And I suppose the ripple effect of that is that it can often keep us so safe that it stops us from living the life that we really want to live and it can hold us back. And if we allow that to kind of have power over us, we stop doing the things that, you know, make us feel good, like sea dips, right? Mm -hmm. For example, we know it's going to be cold. Our mind will always try to stop us. Before we jumped on and started recording this, we were actually talking about, oh my God, it's so cold. And when it's so cold, it's like so hard to get in. But our mind will naturally try to stop us. But it's about, I suppose, developing and knowing that in that moment, our our mind is trying to protect us. And for me, when it comes to having a healthy mindset and a strong mindset, it's about knowing, okay, my my mind is, my brain is trying to protect me here, but I still get to make the choice. Like the choice is still mine, whether I get into that sea or not, or whether I do the thing or not. And I think the more that we lean into uh, discomfort or lean into fear, the more we actually start to truly feel alive. And a lot of that is to for me coming out of our head and into going, actually, I know I can do this and I know that this is going to make me feel better. And when we do that, when we lean into that, we silence that inner critic. So, you know, I know for a fact, every time I go to jump into the lake, my mind actively tries to stop me. But the more that I started to practice saying, no, do you know what? Thanks for trying to protect me, but I'm here and I'm doing it. Uh, the more I silence the, the negative voice in my head that tells me that I shouldn't or can't do it. And the stronger the voice that actually is, the more empowering voice that's starting to cultivate now. So for me, it's the little moments like that that we can do in our day that brings the strong mindset to the fore, brings that voice where it's an inner nurturer rather than an inner critic to the fore. And that's developed. And that's that's something that we can become and learn. For for me, it's the small things that make a strong mindset. Well, that, that was a powerful answer. Yeah, you know, you. and, and it, is, it is that thing. Like It's like we nearly have this dysfunctional primitive uh, mind that's kind of trying to save us from getting into danger but at the same time exactly what you said you know might be holding us back from where from I suppose achieving certain goals or you know finding uh, these places we want to go explore you know and uh, it's mad though and like you'd see fear like that like fear is great for like keeping you alive obviously you know like don't climb up in the chimney or you know don't be hanging out with them electric wires but at the same time when you have that irrational fear like jesus what if this happens or what if that happens and always thinking worst case scenario like i'm never going to go outside in case i get rained on and having that kind of mentality you know and and you spoke about, the, you said the word developing a better mindset. And like for you, is this a mindset that you always had or was it through your own life experiences that you developed this kind of outlook on life? Or what was a bit of your journey that kind of got you to this uh, conclusion or this kind of outlook that you have now? Yeah, so uh, I absolutely did not have a mindset <laughs> like I do now. Um, I predominantly lived uh, in a mind, with a mind, that actively went against me and I for as long as I can remember from like as long as I can remember back into my childhood up until the age of like 22 23 ish I ripped myself apart on a daily basis so that inner critic was really loud um it was very much centered around 
you're not good enough. You'll never be good enough. Uh, what's the point in even trying? Uh, nobody loves you. You have no value. And that just started to spin in circles over and over again. And I think for me, I because our minds are very powerful um, and what we say to ourselves on repeat our mind actually goes to work to find evidence to support it. And I didn't know this at the time because we're not taught this stuff in school. You know, I wish we were. But I, because of my self-talk, I had awful self-talk towards myself. And um, I was very hard on myself. I picked myself apart. I tore myself apart. And because I kept doing that on repeat, I would find evidence, more and more evidence to support it. And slowly but surely, I started to really believe it. So I started to truly, genuinely believe that I had no value, that I was never going to be good enough. And it had an impact on all of my relationships, my friendships, my family circles. Uh, It impacted like whether I push myself forward or not. And to me, it was there's something wrong with me. I'm broken. That was the type. What is wrong with me? Why do I always have to be like this? And I genuinely felt broken, like and I couldn't be fixed. And. Funnily enough, the more people that tried to help me, (laughs) the more they made me feel like I was broken because Mm -hmm. I knew in my heart that there was something wrong, uh, but I blamed it on myself. And at the age of 19, after a relationship breakdown, I came to the conclusion that "Ah, this is always going to impact my life and this is always going to just get in the way and I'm never going to be able to beat this. And I had the first attempt to end my life and two weeks later I had a second attempt and I came out of that column and do you know what I still didn't believe that talking would help I didn't believe that anything would help I didn't believe that I could change or life could be better and uh, I did get an opportunity to go see counsellors I didn't really tell them exactly how I felt Uh, I kind of told them the surface level stuff Um, and I was okay for a while And then I think I joined rugby for a while. Everything was fine. Had a new environment, new friends. I got into a different relationship and bang, that relationship ended again. And I was back down to see, told you, this is always going to impact your life. And at that time, I had been dealing with a lot of stuff unbeknownst to myself. Um, My dad had died by suicide, like when I was really young. Mm -hmm. And I never knew that I was like, grieving uh through all of that I never even took that into consideration um and for me at the age of 22 after that relationship breakdown it's like something just switched in my mind to say that's it like what are you doing here like you literally have no value you can't sustain relationships this is always going to impact your life you're such a negative person that's that's it for you what's the point and I had the third and final attempt to end my life and at that point, I, I genuinely had enough of not feeling enough. I, I just couldn't do it anymore. I couldn't see any other option. And I genuinely felt like a burden. Um, and I survived, thankfully. I'm here sitting in front of you getting to tell my story. And um, I remember waking up in hospital um, about a, the, the day after my last attempt and the very first um, like question I asked myself is, why do I have to be here? Like, why did I have to survive? And as I looked down to my left hand side, just after I woke up, my mother was there. And it's something that I'll, I'll, I'll never leave my mind or my heart because it's always my driving force now going forward. And it was an image of my mother. She was sitting beside me in bed 
and I could visibly see the the pain that I had caused. Like I could, I could see it. And in that moment, I realized, you know, this is the pain that I could have endured upon her for her whole life if I had actually been successful. And it was a pain that she was all too familiar with, you know, having experienced it with my dad as well. And I was hard on myself in that moment because I said, this is, this is fucking your fault. Like, like look at her. <laughs> right. Um, and I realized something really profound in that moment, Colm, because I actually said to myself, Kira, you've you've two choices here. You can keep going the way that you're going, um, but this is eventually going to kill you. Like you're not going to always survive. Or you could actually find out why you survived and give life literally all you've got. Like, what have you got to lose? And the most profound thing in that moment is for the very first time in my life, like genuinely for the very first time, I felt like I had a choice. And I realized, actually, I have a choice here. I, I have a choice to choose a new meaning, even to write a new story for my life. And at that time, um, I decided to go all in in my life. I decided, okay, I've spent the last 22 years ripping myself apart. And look where it got me. Uh, look at the pain that I've caused my family, my friends, um, and the pain I caused myself. And then I decided, fuck it, let's let's go all in and let's get help. And I did. And it's been a journey. <laughs> uh, but uh, thankfully, now I can help people um, do the same. And it hasn't been an easy journey, um, but it has allowed me to to gain a deeper relationship with myself, uh, to understand my mind. Like I remember, like I had the very first time I went to a counselor, six sessions like within six sessions, so six hours, I had a completely new mindset. I had a complete new understanding of my mind and how it worked and some of the reasons why I felt the way I did. And I actually remember coming home and sitting and going, I've fucking struggled my entire life and I've just spent six hours talking to someone openly and wholeheartedly and going all in and just saying how I felt and it had completely changed my life already. Yeah. I couldn't believe it. That's that's powerful, really is, Kira. And like, yeah, like you started off there, and you you said like you had this very negative core belief of yourself. You know that, um, you know, you'd look for outside evidence to confirm or to validate your beliefs. And you know, you thought about when the breakups came, and then the the inner voice would start up and say, "See, I told you, so you're, you're not good enough." And it's mad, like you know, I think. Um, I think Albert Einstein has that quote about, you know, the most fundamental decision we'll ever make is whether we live in a happy world or a host hostile world. And, you know, whatever decision we make that morning, we'll leave the house looking for evidence to confirm our beliefs. And there's a guy living in a hostile world, so I'll go out and I'll see the traffic jams and the rubbish and the people arguing and, you know, the pollution. But if I say I live in a happy world, I go outside and I'll see the flowers, I'll see the sunshine, I'll see the birds, you know, and then... Um, and it is that thing that whatever, you know, whatever we tell ourselves is, is that we're, we're going to see. And we'll, it's like saying, oh, this, it always rains in Ireland, like, and I go outside every day and it probably won't rain for two months. But then the one day it does rain, it's like, ha, see, I told you so. You know, and it's, it's mad that we have that, um, 
that inner critic. But it was powerful, like you were saying that it was nearly like the, the breakup that like you were carrying around like a lot of this this grief and the trauma from losing your dad. And then when the breakup came, that kind of triggered it, brought it all up. And then the second breakup. But for you, what what do you think the turning point was? Was it when your mom was sitting on the bed and you seen the pain and her face and and that kind of was like to you saying, "Oh, people actually do care about me." You know, people actually do you love me like you know or what do you feel it was the turning point for you say Roy I don't have to go down this road I, I do I can bring good to the world and I, I, I want different from my life Um, I think in that moment like my turning point was definitely like literally opening my eyes realizing fuck I'm alive why am I here but then also seeing oh my god I, like look at the pain on my mother's face like and while I could see the pain <clears throat> and I came to the conclusion, like, this is what she would have felt forever had I been successful. I could also see relief, uh, relief that I was still awake, still alive. And, you know, it was this thing of why am I doing this? What, 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 what is what is wrong? Like, and it was the first time I kind of realized I kind of explored myself and said, you know, you have a choice here. And I think in that moment, it was like, I don't know, it was like a flip of a switch. It was like I just started to go, you have a choice to write a new story. You have a choice to 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 do something different. Um, you have a choice to actually think something different. And at that time, I, I didn't know about the mind. I didn't know about the brain. I didn't know about anything. Even my own, I suppose, experiences and how they affected me. I didn't know any of that because I had never explored it before. Um, and I think the choice to go all in, having seen the pain on my mother's face, the choice to do that and to go, yeah, fucking doing it, um, was probably the choice that saved my life. And I remember thinking or going, I can make these choices actually every day. Like you said there, we can wake up and go, crap, this day is going to be awful. Or we can go, this day is going to be awesome and I'm going to make it happen because I'm in control. And I think after those first initial six counseling sessions, I realized that, you know, fundamentally there was things that happened in my past that led me to kind of feel a certain way about myself. Um, I attached meanings to myself that, you know, weren't empowering or positive and all that affected me. So, you know, how I was feeling was not my fault, but it had become my default. I love that. Yeah. You know, and, and that for me, I suppose the turning point to answer your mm. question was, was definitely seeing the pain on my mother's face. And from there, it was a it was a series of choices. Mm. And I say this wholeheartedly, like if you want to see what your future is going to look like, look at the choices that you're making today, you know. And for me, it's about I learned very quickly the value of of making a choice. And for the first while, there were a series of really hard choices because I still had a belief that I wasn't good enough. I still had a belief that I. I didn't deserve it or I had put so many people through pain or I still had that inner critic. So it actually was a really hard choice to make the decision to, to continue to go all in, to continue to show up for my therapy sessions, to continue to show up for myself in terms of getting out for a walk or doing things that made me feel good. They were all choices, but they were really fucking hard choices. But those hard choices eventually led me to have an easier life. And I think you know, we, we we see that quote all the time, hard choice is easy life, easy choice, easy choice is hard life. And I think knowing that those hard choices, they were what I made 
And I was responsible for those. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a really powerful position to be in and something really powerful for people to understand is that we always have a choice. Yeah, that that, that is powerful. Like, and I remember it got with, with myself, with, with my own addiction and my own mental health, you know, and even my past, you know, it was the day I re- like the day I realised that these things weren't necessarily my fault, but they are my responsibility. You know what I mean? In terms of, I don't know why I, I can't go back to the past and change anything, you know, and I don't know why my addiction kicked off the way I did. I can speculate and, you know, but it's not it's so much about why the ship is sinking. It's so, it's about getting onto the lifeboat now and, and taking that action to address it. And, you know, I remember hearing someone say, it's like if someone left a newborn baby at your doorstep, you know, if you answer that door and there's a newborn baby there, you know, it's not your fault that that baby's there, but it, it is your responsibility now, you know, and and that, um, and, and you said that when you realise you have a choice, you know, and uh, yeah, w- w- I suppose with me and, and, and my mental health, you know, to finally say, look, I'm worthy of change here. And I, I don't know where that turning point came when I hit that rock bottom and just said, look, I, I want something different. I don't want to, I don't want it to end this way, you know, I wanted it to end that way, but I, I, there was part of me that knew do, 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 I'm here for a different reason, like you know. And uh, I suppose that, that that breakdown that I had uh, led led to a breakthrough, and uh, be, being able to be here today, and like like you said, be able to kind of have chats like this because of it, and realizing that you know what what we came through is probably one of our biggest assets assets today. You know, to now that we have that experience, which which I suppose helps us to want to go on and kind of help the world somehow. So like. If anyone is listening to this and going through hard times, you know, I find that uh, my, my greatest attributes and my talents and, and you know, my, um, um, I suppose, uh, my my skills are, are my, my past traumas, like, you know what I mean? And that wounds, that wisdom comes from wounds, like, you know, and, uh, yeah, it, it, it is really powerful. And, like, what, for you, what was, like, what was your healing journey? Like, when you go, it was time for you to go all in. Like, what was going all in? And what was the steps you taught, you took to start to heal? Yeah, I suppose initially it was showing up and saying yes, like, to counsellors. You know, I think I initially, when I came out of um, the third attempt in my life, it was, a psychiatrist and I think we have this stigma like oh my god I'm seeing a psychiatrist like things have really gotten really bad but I just said yes I said yes to the help I actually asked for help and I think my big turning point is you know I remember I suppose in 1920 uh, after the first attempts to end my life I I didn't feel like talking would help so I didn't fully open up right um, because I think I was only trying to to do it for other people. I wasn't doing it for myself. So when I talk about going all in, uh, I made a choice that day coming out of hospital after my third attempt to go all in for me first um, and for my family second and my friends third. And I think that was the start of me putting myself first and me making choices in accordance to actually, okay, how can I do my best here to say yes to help, to open up, but for me, right? And I think that was a huge turning point in my healing journey to start with was that I was doing it for me. And it was actually a huge, a huge turning point because I started to realize, okay, I have the power. I need to keep saying yes. I need to keep going all in. And 
that created a ripple effect of, you know, following on from counseling, I started to do, you know, a bit of talk therapy, I started to do a bit of coaching, I started to invest in myself in different ways. And I started to exercise a bit more. And all of these, again, are were really hard choices at the time, but are now deeply rooted into me looking after me. And I think, you know, when we start to do that, it's filling our own cup first, and putting ourselves first. It's not an automatic thing that we do. But that was a huge catalyst for my growth was and kicking off my journey was put yourself first and do it for you first and foremost. And that helped me build like self-empowerment and self-belief and absolutely self-trust. It's so, so important. Yeah, that, that is powerful. You know, when it is, I think we, we can't pour from an empty cup. You know, we have to make sure your own uh, oxygen mask is on first before you can attend for others. Well, during, um, earlier on the podcast, you said, you know, that people tried to help you, but they, they made you more broken. Like, can you elaborate on that a bit and like what you meant by that? Yeah. So people didn't necessarily make me feel more broken because um, they were coming from a really good place and really trying to help. So obviously from the outside, people could see that, you know, I was struggling or, you know, I, I was a very angry person for a while. Um, quite angry and didn't know where it was coming from and a lot of people tried to say you know why don't you talk to someone or why don't we go for a walk and why don't we try and help and I knew all these things I knew that going for a walk I knew that going to talk to someone and being open would help but actually I think at the bottom of that I didn't believe that I deserved it so I was struggling with really really low self-worth really really low self-esteem and absolutely not really valuing myself as a human being um and the more people tried to help me in terms of like you know you should do this and you should try this or you could try this or you should do this the more I genuinely started to feel broken because I couldn't bring myself to doing those things Mm -hmm. so it was like this catch-22 of of I know what I need to do it's great that you can do it but I can't do it and I think I got to a point where I was just like you know, I, I I genuinely can't do it. And that was almost reaffirming to me. See, you're not good enough. You can't even do it for yourself. People are telling you all the things to do, but you still won't do it. And I got caught in this cycle of just ultimate negativity. And that's why I always say uh, we have a, a quote in this house or a question <laughs> when when either myself or my wife has, you know, comes with a rant or a problem or we're starting to say our day and it's not maybe, you know, I suppose the most positive um, we tend as humans to naturally want to fix things mm-hmm. and we tend as humans to naturally want to do our best to make a situation better for somebody else. And from what I've learned in my own journey is, and the, the quote that we have is, do you want comfort or solutions? Yeah. And if I rely that to my own journey, you know, if, if someone had came to me with that question and said, do you want comfort or solutions? Nine times out of 10, I would have said, like, I know the solutions. I, I just need comfort. I just need someone here to, be with me to listen and I think that's where that comes from that there was so many people throwing so many solutions at me that I like I knew them all already it just made me feel worse because I couldn't bring myself to do them I didn't have the self-belief or the you know the I suppose the self-worth to even try and I think now one of the greatest things I believe that we can give to people is that opportunity to go what do you need do you want comfort or solutions how can I best help you and even in our own like experience here with myself and my wife, it is brilliant in terms of she's having a bad day or I'm having a bad day. 
initially we want to help and fix because <laughs> we love them. <laughs> uh, but actually nine times out of 10 people choose comfort and simply, you know, as human beings, we just have to be there and listen and just go, do you know what that is fucking shit? And it is awful and it's okay. Mm. So it's one of the, I suppose, the best tools that I developed over the years because I don't know if it was like a trauma response, but as soon as I heard someone was struggling or finding things hard, it was like I, it was the onus was on me to fix them, and you know I wouldn't even let them like they, someone rang me and said, oh, "I'm having a bad day." I wouldn't even let them tell me why they're having a bad day straight away. I'm throwing solutions down their neck. Oh no, don't be positive and keep the chin up, you know, and you know go for a walk or go for a run, and you know, and it's like you're nearly uncomfortable with that person going through, uh, I suppose, hard times. And as you said, it like there's it's part of the human. Uh, experience to go to get them highs and lows and it's it's a natural thing and for me to turn around to you and say oh, so what are you so sad about you like you've great things going on in your life but it's like the same if you're, you're really happy and me saying what are you so happy about like you've so many bad things going on in your life you know and it's like you know and it's the i like that to learn to listen and listen to learn you know because um we can be so quick like that we can be so quick to you know like I suppose throw a solution to someone you know and a lot of time people people know the answer to what they need to do or the steps they need to take but they're just not at a place yet where they're ready like what you said there when you were feeling really low and you weren't ready to take that action yet you know and you just needed needed someone to talk to and you know and there's something powerful in that when you can when you can just have you know an honest conversation, a vulnerable conversation, and, and feel feel safe, and not not to feel judged. I feel like there's you know a million com- a mi- million solutions going to get get thrown at you, like you know, and uh, yeah, there definitely is great freedom in that, you know. And like when you when you you talked about like the, the breakups, um, you know, kind of triggering a lot of a lot of um hurting you like what what would you say you've learned from from going through them breakups and what advice would you have given to yourself if you could go back then uh i'd like to say to not go out with those people <laughs> <laughs> no i'm only messing um, i remember someone no, saying no, to me no. it's, it's better to have a hole in your life than an arsehole in your life <laughs> yeah uh yeah exactly um at the time i like both of those people are really really amazing people in their own right and you know i think as human beings uh we often can attract um i suppose when when we think about why do i attract the people that hurt me most or things like that um i had really low self-worth and really low self-esteem uh in both of those relationships and looking back at it now i realized that i was hoping that that relationship would give me what i needed for myself So, you know, when that relationship, either of those relationships was really good, I felt I had huge self-worth and self-esteem. I was good enough when they weren't going so good, uh, which happened quite a bit. I was like, what's wrong with me? It's my fault. Mm -hmm. So it was this constant, you know, pulling back and pulling back. And if I was to give myself advice uh, for for if I was to go back and, and do it all again or give my advice to my younger self, it would be you know, to, it's a hard one because I think you have to live it, but it would be that you don't need anybody else to make you happy. And the more that you invest in yourself, the more that you can 
really start to attract people who will treat you like you deserve to be treated. And I'm not saying that either of those people that I was in a relationship with were bad people. They weren't. They were also people who were struggling with their own shit. Mm. Right. Um, Mm. And I think when people can meet when they're both struggling with their own shit, it's a lot of (laughs) toxic things that can happen. And I take my responsibility for all of the stuff that I would have done in those relationships. Um, But for me, it's, it's, I think at the time for me, I was looking to, without even realizing, was looking to, to bump up my self-worth, you know, to find myself, to, to feel like I had value. And when those relationships were going great, they were, it was fucking amazing because my self-worth was attached to them. Um, But then when they finished and ended, what was I left with? You know, who was I? And that's why I found them most difficult because Mm. it was like the ultimate confirmation that, see, you're you're useless, you're hopeless Mm. and you've no worth and nobody loves you. Yeah, yeah, it's mad, isn't it? And that's the thing, like when we're getting into relationships, we're supposed to try and validate ourselves or to try to find a sense of worth or are we lovable? You know, if you don't see the worth in yourself, you're not going to feel it in a relationship, you know. And I think that like, you, you could be at a certain en- energy frequency and you'll attract people at that similar level. Like they say, hurt people, hurt people, like, you know, and like attracts like. And I suppose for me, like when I was, I suppose, going through like when I was at my worst, my mental health and, you know, I was trying to attract people to kind of validate me and, and as you thought about support me emotionally and, you know, and, and, and because of my low self-esteem was so low, no matter what that person done, I still didn't feel lovable. Like, I remember my, my two biggest fears was not getting something that I want and losing something that I had. And that came from this person just sitting to validate me. And I remember I'd be like, Kira, please, if I get Kira to love me, I'll be okay. And then finally she turns around one day and goes, oh, I love you. And like, oh, the relief. But then next thing, the next very quick scene, what if she stops loving me? You know, but it's two o'clock, it's two o'clock, do you still love me? It's raining outside, do you still love me? It's, it's Tuesday, you're going to wear blue socks, do you still love me? You know, constantly needing this validation and fear of that person leaving you. And it gets so, that fear gets so bad that you end up pushing that person away and just un, unable to establish a connection with any other human because I was so disconnected from myself, like, you know, and dating people just to fill wounds or dating people to try and fix them like you know to take the take the folks out myself you know I'd hold people so close that they couldn't see me that they couldn't see the real me and I'd mm-hmm. get into relationships wearing this mask and portraying this persona but it was unsustainable and as as soon as I thought they'd find out the real me I'd, I'd straight away I'd run a mile because I knew if they found out who I really was they wouldn't like me and they'd reject me and they'd push me away like you know and um and I suppose for me, it was, it was getting to a place where you like who you are, you know, and getting to that higher frequency where you don't need to depend on someone that, you know, you're enough exactly as you are, that if, if you're great when the relationship's there and you're nothing if it's not there. And it gets so unhealthy and codependent. But if you get to a place where you can fully sustain yourself and support yourself and you love your life regardless of if you're in a relationship or not, that's when you attract the healthiest relationships. When you start to do that bit of work on yourself and start to enjoy spending time on your own. You know what I mean? And I know there's a narrative out there that, oh, if you're in your thirties and you're you're single, you're 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 a failure or you're doing something wrong, or if you haven't got a, a mortgage or if you haven't got a degree or you know, and all this crap that we can go on Instagram and compare ourselves. Oh look at 
look at them, you know, they they look they have all the boxes ticked and we we haven't like, you know, and straight away, you know, but it's not the case, you know, everyone everyone's on different journeys and everyone has different values and everyone has, you know, you know, different goals in life, you know, not to be comparing ourselves to, I suppose, other people. But in terms of like where you're at today and like and you were talking about your your wife and relationship today, what are like what are some of the healthy components that you try and bring into your relationship today to kind of keep keep you guys solid and kind of keep it uh, keep it in a good place? Uh, I think in terms of like forming like a partnership, like and I, I, I go back to the first ever time that like me and Paula got together. Um, I think I I the following day when I met her again, I literally was like, Hi, my name is Kira and I have anxiety. I've just <laughs> recovered from three suicide attempts and I just fucking laid it all out. So from the get-go, it was very much uh, honest communication. Um, uh, she then replied back and said, all right, that's fine. And I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> what? It was, it was so foreign for someone to acknowledge me and to, to see me for who I was. And to, to actually love me and like me for that person. Um, and it was the very first time in my life where in a relationship I was like, oh, this is how it's meant to be. Like She doesn't care whether I have, you know, what I deem as a broken mind or whatever. She actually likes me for, for who I am. And that allowed me to feel safe. So that acknowledgement from the get-go for me, like being so honest, it allowed both of us to feel so safe. And, you know, trust is a huge part of that. And I think honest communication, um, you know, being there to, to, I suppose, talk it out and sometimes fight it out when you have to um, and to really get to know the other person um, and to know how you can best show up for the other person. Um, that's a journey that you'll go on for your entire relationship. Right. But it's something that you can do every single day. Like, you know, we will never go to bed without going, I love you. Or, you know, how was your day? Or, you know, for having a bad day, it's learning to go. Actually, sometimes when you give me solutions, it doesn't make me feel better. I prefer if you could ask me this question first. Sometimes I might like solutions. Sometimes I really like comfort. So it's learning these little quirks that we can add to our relationship. But that comes with honest communication and really listening. And that's vice versa. Like we both have to play a 50-50, like, role in that you know and I think you know going forward it's you know I'm very much the dreamer and uh the you know no no goal is ever too big and let's just fucking do it and like think second <laughs> mm. do first and think second and Paula is 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 well able to bring me back down to a little bit of reality as well and we complement each other so we don't try to change each other. We don't try say, you know, you dream too big and you you risk too much and you shouldn't be like this. It's almost like, you know, how do we complement each other? You know, and I don't ever say you dream too small or you don't do this. It's about learning to love each other for who we are. And actually, I've realized that we both need each other. She needs me to sometimes pull her out of her comfort zone and I need sometimes to come into my comfort zone. So again, that honest communication and knowing that you can just wholeheartedly say how you feel and the other person will listen. Um, is huge in relationships and I think before we ever do any of that it's it's taking responsibility for yourself and your life Uh, my happiness isn't Paula's responsibility and Paula's happiness isn't mine Um, her happiness is her responsibility and my happiness is mine I think Will Smith said that you know before and I think that rings so true because 
I take responsibility for my happiness and we can add to each other's happiness. But that to me is fundamental that we look after ourselves and then come together and have this like powerful force of a relationship. It's brilliant. Yeah, I love that. It is that thing. It's like a happy relationship with two happy people. You know, it's Mm. like, uh, yeah, and just meeting in the middle. Like, you know, I think the idea of a relationship is like a best friend that you think like is a riot, <laughs> you know, it's like dating, yeah, dating, your, dating your best friend, like, you know, but, um, yeah, yeah, and, and, and that's the thing, you know, it's, uh, you know, like getting it, like, it's not about avoidance, like if people avoiding kind of these things that, you know, we talked about earlier on, about getting into like or to see, and it can even be jobs or relationships or, you know, new challenges that avoidance for me and me coming from an, an addictive background can be just as detrimental as being addicted to something. It's being avoiding something as well. The stuff that kind of makes us feel uncomfortable or the stuff that brings up that, that the, the heart rate or the fear or the anxiety in us. And sometimes it's them things that we fear the most is the universe saying, right, are you ready for your next test? You know, and, and to, to lean into that. To lean into that thing like you know but uh when, when did you realize that you want to be like a mindset coach and you want to go down this career path to kind of help people and guide them on their own healing journey yeah i think um i think it happened organically if i was to be quite honest with you because um it was never something that was ever on my radar because i think coaching is only kind of coming to become a bit more well known now um And I knew I wasn't particularly built because I'm quite an empath and I'm quite the type of person who will take on people's stuff um, and let it soak into me. Um, And I knew I wanted to help people. But for me, it was um, I knew counseling or therapy. I wouldn't be able to separate myself from the job. And um, I think from the age of 23, so about a year after my my last suicide attempt, I, I started to speak about it started to talk about it I became an ambassador for sea change so they're responsible for the green ribbon campaign every year and their I suppose mission is to end stigma around mental health and I suppose in in getting people to talk about it and speak about it so I became heavily involved with them for a while and then started to share my story even more and then became involved with uh, the cycle against suicide so started to share my story uh, with them as they went around Ireland and all of that started to naturally kind of organically happen that I'd meet different organizations through different organizations and just started to speak more and just started to share my story. And uh, in January, 2020, um, I ran the wild Atlantic way. So that's kind of where the, wow. you could say the, the brand started to, to form. I, I wanted to put myself to the ultimate test of me versus me and um just do something really big that I've never done before and, and have this really massive challenge. So I just started documenting that. And for the whole like 50 days that I was running, I would post post a post every day and, and, and talk about like the ups and downs of it and all that kind of stuff. And when that finished, uh, COVID hit. And I was a I was a photographer before that and love my job, love photography. But there there was something missing for me Mm. I knew I was creating really good work for my clients uh, but for me I just didn't feel fully fulfilled I felt fulfilled but there was something just missing and I wanted I kept saying I want to make more impact how can I make more impact and uh, I started looking up different courses um, in maybe you know different things that I could probably try to do in terms of mindset and mind health and just started to learn about neuroscience and all that kind of stuff and 
I had applied about, I think before I went on the big run that I did, I'd applied to Kingston College to do um, mental health and well-being coaching. And it was always on a Saturday. So the part-time courses were always going to be on Saturday. And I was caught because all of my weddings were always on a Saturday. So it's like, ah, that'll happen eventually. And one of the beauty, beautiful things that came out of COVID for me was that I got the gift of time. And uh, I saw it as a huge opportunity. And Kingston College also saw it as an opportunity. And they did an online course for people. And all through lockdown, the very first kind of lockdown where everybody was feeling awful and it was all a really hard time. I was living my best life because I got to do the thing that I finally wanted to do and um, just spent that whole first period of, of lockdown learning and learning and learning. And then took that Instagram page from doing the run to actually here's what I want to do now. And it kind of just grew organically like that. That's powerful. Yeah, I love I love that. And like, yeah, you're, like your whole journey is phenomenal, Kira. Like, you know, just it's like it's the whole kind of hero's journey, you know, going through that, that going through the hardship, you know, and then that hardship kind of catapulting you to a different place in life, and then using your experience of of the past to kind of help people like today. Like, and what's like what is your like philosophy on life or what's your like concept or your beliefs and spirituality and things like that yeah like i i'd be hugely like i suppose I, i'm quite a spiritual person i believe i wouldn't believe i wouldn't be particularly religious as per se but i believe that there is a universe and there is like something that's definitely guiding us all the time and should we choose to listen to it you know it, it always leads us the right way and i think a lot of that is about learning to come out of your head and into your heart or your gut um and I always kind of do that exercise with myself it's like what does my head say about this situation and my head will always go don't do it Mm. (laughs) and my heart and my gut will always say go for it like and learning to listen to that intuition has allowed me to just keep kind of exploring like follow follow where life is leading me and I think when we can stop and learn to listen um we learned that there is something guiding us and there's no denying it that that there is something guiding us um my philosophy for life is to literally be living proof like i think there's so many people um that are experiencing you know really nasty loud inner critic or self-doubt or low self-esteem or low self-worth and i think the more that society grows it actually grows into you know, us being unhappy people because there's so much comparison. There's so much that we feel like we don't have because there's so much in the world being fed to us, you know? And I think from a societal level, it's designed to keep us unhappy because the more unhappy we are, the more we consume. And that's kind of like, I suppose, a bit conspiracy theorist maybe, but I, I genuinely believe that um, when we can step away from that comparison, we can step away from all that and actually go, okay, what is it that I want to do? What what is it that makes me feel really good? And how do I tune into more of that? And for me, in the work that I do, it's, you know, I want to be living proof to know for people to know that at any minute, like they can literally make one decision that can change their entire life. And if that decision is based on you and you feeling good, then that's a really fucking good decision. And if you keep making decisions like that, that are good for you, that make you feel happy, even if they're hard decisions, even if you have to push yourself sometimes, then eventually you're going to get full circle in life. You're going to, you're going to get the life that you've always dreamed of because you've been putting you first 
And that's a really fucking powerful thing. And that's what I try to, no matter what post I put up or no matter what content I share or the work that I'm doing with my clients, that's always my mission to know that they have the power. We spoke about it earlier when we were talking about our own coaching journeys to, to empower people, to know that they all have the power within themselves to make those decisions and to, to bring themselves to a point where they make, where, where they feel better. That's powerful, Kira. It really is. Like, yeah, like you've, you've blown me away. Like, and it is that thing to, like, to know that we have that power, but it's, it's, like for me for a long time I knew the action to take but I didn't want to take the action because I was so afraid of the change or the fear of letting go of the things that I depended on regardless of how unhealthy they were how much they were serving me or harming me I should say that just letting go of these things are scary like letting go of partners that no longer serve is, is a scary thing but I think when they got painful enough that finally the fear of change didn't seem as bad like and it's like the gift I heard someone say what does G-O-D stand for you know God is the gift of desperation or some people say it's the great outdoors you know but um, when you get desperate enough to say no I do I do, I want that change and I want to be able to um, you know make that change today and for you like when you were at that turning point you know when your your mom was sitting at the bed sitting on the bed um like what what if you if someone was this this podcast and they're at a similar place what what's the one bit of advice that you would give to them right now um that you're okay and that you're not broken and that you're not someone who needs to be fixed is the very first thing i'd say because that's the realization that I'm coming to in life is that nobody's broken and nobody needs to be fixed. What we all have are things that have happened to us in life um, where we started to believe something that's negative about ourselves. And if that's something that happened, right, it's something that we can actually start to really unlearn as well. And that's the beauty of it. And to know that, I suppose, the advice that I would give would be to to go all in right and to ask for that help to find somebody that you trust we hear it all the time find somebody that you trust and say I'm going to share how I feel now and tell them what you need do you want solutions do you want them to help you with solutions or do you want comfort and go from there and continue to make small little choices like we don't have to completely overhaul our life in a night I think consistently it's these teeny tiny choices that we can make that that lead to huge huge transformations and when I look back on my life, it's those small decisions where I said, yeah, that's what I'm going to do. Yes, I'm going to do this. Um, might be a five minute walk, but I fucking did it. And I'm really fucking proud of myself for doing it. And it's little things like that that build to something really great. And it's all about just settling into going, what do you want from your life? How do you want to feel? And is there somebody there that can kind of stand with you that you'd like, that you trust, that can help you? Um, and to, to do all you can for yourself because you deserve it. And I think, you know, every one of us were born to leave like our fingerprints on history. I truly believe that. And it's our mind that stops us. And in those moments where if all we've ever known has been hard on ourselves or all we've ever known is feeling, you know, worthless or not good enough like I did, making a change to that will be really fucking uncomfortable and it will be really hard but it'll be so, so worth it. And if we can lean into that discomfort and lean into that like feeling of 
you know, I shouldn't be doing this and, and maybe override what the mind says. Because if you, if you take it from a mindset perspective, your mind likes the familiar. That's where it feels safe. Mm. And often actually what's familiar is a place of putting yourself down. It's a place of picking yourself apart. And that's not safe. That's just known. That's powerful. And that's not safe. So when we make changes, even if it's a positive change, our mind will go against us because it thinks that we're stepping into like, the unknown and we are but that unknown is a new place where it's more supportive and empowering and to keep keep making choices for that that's well that's uh that's brought me away Kira. thank you the yeah the, we're, we're so used to the familiar stuff aren't we and it's like wanting to stay in that uh in that comfort zone even regardless of how unhealthy or harmful it may be and i think you know, that, that, you know, again, back to what you said, you know, when we start to lean into the things or take them risks, you know, that's uh, that's where the growth's at, you know. The, I know I say this quite a lot, you know, there's no growth in the comfort zone, there's no comfort in the growth zone. And, you know, um, yeah, it's been absolutely powerful listening to it. I've gotten so much out of this, this conversation. But just before we uh, finish up here, what, uh, what, what, so what's, what's next in the horizon for you? Um, I think on a personal level, uh, delighted to say we've a, we've a baby on the way. So oh, wow. I'm uh, cre- creating big space for that. <laughs> so nice. Paul and my wife is pregnant. Nice. Um, so we're due in May. Um, oh, and I'll no. be just settling into that whole new chapter. Uh, we're also in the middle of, of renovating a house. And so will it be baptizing take- the baby in the lake? Oh, absolutely! Yeah. <laughs> Come on, baptize the baby in the forty-four. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll get the baby uh, a little uh, so dry robe. <laughs> I love it. I'll hold you to that. <laughs> um, so that's big moves, big changes. Um, but then on a like a I suppose a business level, and my goals for that is, I'm in kind of the middle of of just launching an app where like people can have a mindset coach in their pocket, um, and it's it's due to come out very 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 soon I've, well, I have a couple of clients already yeah. on board and the mission behind that is to to empower people to know that actually changing our mindset for the better isn't as overwhelming or scary or challenging as it might seem and it's all kind of centered around the small choice changes that we can make every single day and uh, self-empowerment self-trust and I just want to revolutionize what it means to like become mind fit because we, we, we go to the gym, we go for a walk, we do all the things for our physical health that there's things that we can do for our mental health and our mindset that actually can impact us in a positive way too. So I want to start fucking being part of the, the change for that and to, to, to end the stigma, to look after your mental health and your mindset. So that's the, the big dream and the big goal just to keep sharing my story I love it. and hopefully I love it. impact someone. That's powerful, Kira. Keep keep shining, cause uh, you've blown me away today. You really have, and uh, really appreciate you coming on and taking the time to have a chat. So keep uh, keep Thanks like dipping, me, keep like dipping. I will do. I'll see you soon at the forty foot for yeah. sure. <laughs> I will. Okay. See you later, Kira. Thanks, Mel, for coming on. See you, Colin.